This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. Keep listening for actionable tips and tricks to incorporate eco-friendly practices into your daily life. We've been featured by Apple as the number one podcast for conscious consumers, and we can't wait to welcome you into our community of changemakers. I'm Lisa. And I'm Laura. We're the founders of Brightly.eco, the new platform for conscious consumers. We believe in supporting all creatures, great and small. And our team of experts show you how to live and shop responsibly by sharing world-changing lifestyle ideas, products, and more. To read show notes from Good Together and to browse all of the planet-friendly goodness that we feature, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And to help spread the word about the podcast, tap on this episode and share Good Together with your friends and family. A simple text message helps us grow and create change around the world. traveling like we used to, but that doesn't mean that we're not traveling at all. Road trips and creative social distance vacations are still happening. I bet you've probably done one of those things recently. And there's no better time to consider your impact on the planet than while traveling. In today's episode, I sit down with Indre Rockefeller, the founder of Parava Luggage, to discuss why it's important to invest in planet-friendly travel practices across your whole trip. We also discuss her journey founding a sustainable business, what it's like to source products in an ethical and sustainable way, and how recycled plastic is reinventing the way we purchase items like luggage. Let's get into it. All right, Indre, thank you so much for joining us on Good Together. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to chatting today. Absolutely. So I wondered if we could get started um, by you just giving a really brief intro um, to the audience as to who you are and what you've been focusing on lately. Sure. So I am the co-founder of Paravel, which is a sustainable travel goods brand. We launched in 2016, really with the intention of reimagining travel and offering product that better reflected the priorities of customers today, customers like us that wanted quality, value design, but also ethics and and reflecting the the things that we seek in, in products today. And we felt that travel industry and the travel goods industry in particular uh, wasn't offering us what we wanted. And we really thought there was an opportunity to build a new brand from the ground up that reflected that. Um, before co-founding Paravel, that was um, in 2016, like I said, I had worked in the fashion industry. And before that, I had been a professional ballet dancer. So I've had a little bit of uh, experience to different career paths, but they all sort of come together. Entrepreneurship is one of those careers that really pulls everything 
and your past experiences together. Absolutely. <laughs> totally familiar with that too. And yeah, yeah for listeners, um, so Andre actually served as um, Anna Wintour's first assistant at Vogue, which I know everyone will, will think that was just really interesting resume uh, bullet point. But um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think the more founders that we're seeing today in the industry, and I, I think specifically female founders, I feel like we have such a knack for being able to tie together and weave our past experiences into the companies that we're building, into the values that we're putting together with our companies. So it's really fascinating to hear that. Um, and I love that you had this aha moment um, about the uh, sustainable travel industry um, specifically, or really the lack of sustainability in the travel industry. Um, when I think about pieces of luggage that I own or um, you know, even the packing cubes that people often recommend, I feel like the materials that are used while um, occasionally are designed to be used for a long time are not necessarily um, you know, the most sustainable. Um, you know, the exception would be if we think back to, you know, sort of back in the day where you had these really heritage luggage brands, you know, you might be out even back in the day, you know, a few hundred bucks to get um, a really nice piece um, of luggage, but it's going to last you forever. Like my my family still has a set of like Hartman luggage that we have just completely beaten to heck. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think in general, um, you know, the materials aspect is so fascinating. And I know that um, Paris is really committed to upcycling. So I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about sort of how you view upcycling um, when you when you think about the way it goes into your products and sort of how your yes. products are engineered to last. Yeah. And, and one thing I wanted to touch on, and, and I will speak to the upcycling component because it ties in, but when you speak to sort of heritage brands and um, the idea of quality and, and lasting a long time, which is obviously part of the conversation in sustainability, right? You, yes. You want things to last a long time. You want to get a lot of usage out of things. Anything that is, you know, fast fashion that made to uh, deteriorate quickly is no matter what it's produced from is, is detrimental from uh, environmental angle. But I, there's a, I think there's a common misconception around um, sort of quality and um, sustainability and price, those sort of three elements being sometimes at odds with each other. And I think people often associate price with quality to last longer, or if it's sustainable, it might be, you know, made from materials that might not have the same rigidity, for example, of, of uh, heritage materials. But we really coming from a background in, in luxury fashion, I, I had seen, um, quality and craftsmanship and, and materials really play out. And that was sort of the core of my education when it comes from a design standpoint. For and sure. I really had a firm belief coming into this that quality is a function of caring. It's not necessarily a function of expensive inputs. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes uh, more higher quality materials are, of course, more expensive, but sometimes it's a matter of, of prioritizing um, quality, prioritizing things that last a long time, because you can have luxury brands producing product that isn't intended to last a long time either. Um, yeah. So really finding that balance was really important to us. How do we price this in a way that there's value um, that is derived from this product for the consumer and it's not outpriced for this consumer, but how do we build it? How do we construct it? How do we manufacture it? 
down to like the thread count and the zipper that it really lasts and um, that it can take that beating and then layer in sustainable materials that will hold up to this. You know, when we think of, for example, our negative nylon program, it's all made from recycled, upcycled plastic water bottles. And so that is a material that replaces traditional nylon, for example, in the travel goods space. And yep. it is just as durable. It's soft. It's pliable. It's lightweight. It does all the things that nylon can do, but it's made from recycled plastic water bottles. Or in another instance, we recently launched a limited edition collection of totes made from um, used coffee bags, from jute coffee bags that were sourced from coffee traders around the world. And we were able to take this very durable material that is in and of itself, jute is um, a more sustainable material and find these exciting prints that were still um, on the coffee bags and hand, they were hand cleaned, handcrafted in Italy um, to be fashioned into beautiful tote bags with these. They're beautiful, oh, by the way, I have you. to say. <laughs> they really thank are. <laughs> that was yeah. a project that was so much fun to work on, but also so challenging. It was launched in the midst of COVID. Obviously, Italy experienced that and we were experiencing that here. And our whole team was scattered around the world. And it they were all, every single one of them is are one of a kind and limited edition and, and sort of launching a very complex product like that um, really took the team coming together um, and our, our production partners coming together. But in a way it was wonderful because everyone really believed in the product and believed in the, the larger sort of mission of us pushing our own boundaries outside and thinking through upcycling and not just sort of the, the go-to um, you know, recycled plastic water bottles, but really thinking, across the board of what materials have already been put into the universe and used and how can we reimagine them for um, really high quality travel bags and accessories. Yeah, absolutely. I um I got a chance to look at them online and they just are so I love the one of a kind aspect of that. Um, you know, one thing that I think is interesting too is as we think about upcycling and, you know, reusing uh, items that previously existed in the world, one part that I think might be challenging from both a business perspective, but also consumer perspective is that you kind of lose the um, predictability in each product. So if something's one of a kind, you know, somebody might fall in love with the, the item that you have on the model, um, but they're not able to get that because it's one of a kind. So I think, you know, there's probably going to need to be a little bit of a reset in consumer patterns, um, you know, as we think more about being creative with what we're putting into our products. And I think, you know, just in general, given the amount of plastic waste that we have on this planet um, and the amount of just excess plastic floating around, I personally find it just staggering that we continue to produce brand new plastic for needs that we just, we, it's just, it's, it's absurd. Um, and I know um, to kind of jump into a little bit of a different area, and we can, of course, talk more about materials and, and sort of the, the manufacturing process later. But one thing that I found really fascinating about your background um, and kind of 
perhaps what pushed you into thinking more specifically about, um, you know, the climate and, and things of that nature is that you actually went on, um, you know, what what you call the life changing trip to Antarctica. Um, and, you know, while you were there, you were, you know, uh, consulting with climate scientists, marine biologists, folks that are familiar with the um, terrain up there in many ways. So I'd love to know a little bit more about like, what inspired you to take this trip? Um, you know, why why did you take this trip into the founding of Paravel? Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. So this trip, uh, this polar expedition was with the Nature Conservancy. And uh, I was fortunate enough to be able to join uh, about a two-week expedition. And it, like, as you mentioned, there were climate scientists, marine biologists, glaciologists on board, sort of... Um, that really added to the educational value of, of that experience. For me, it was completely transformative in that I had been someone, I always considered myself an environmentalist, uh, aware, conscious, thinking about some of my own um, behavior. But what this did is make me rethink as a business owner my own obligation and my, the own role I played um, outside of my personal decisions. Because one of the big takeaways I had from this trip was that the next 10 years are the most important for the next 10,000 when it comes to climate change. Yes. And, and really looking, and that we were already in that window, you know, that was 2018 was that trip, right? So, and, and we have, we have such a, a narrow scope of time to address something that is so profoundly impactful to future generations. And, you know, just thinking through, you know, I'm a mother of young children and thinking through like, what are my children going to ask me about that window in time, you know, when they grow up and what I did. And it's something that gets me up every morning. And I, I think about it on a personal level. And I also am obliged to think about it on a business level. And um, of course, I'm cognizant of the fact that I am in the travel goods industry, and that is an industry that sends people out into the onto the, to the planet to to explore this planet, to explore this world we live in, and um, that that there is an innate rub there, right? That that I have to um, reconcile, and and the best that I can do, the decision that I made at that time is what I can do is help pe make people better, make better choices and offer them better choices. And that, you know, I love travel personally. I am a, you know, it's something that for me personally has shaped who I am. It connects me to um, other people and other cultures. It has made me a better person. But how do I, um, a lot, how do I do that in a better way? How do I make better choices and that that also has to do with the the products that i that i travel with and the the decisions that i make it's how i travel it's how i offset my carbon and i think that that was really the moment that that made me rethink decisions across the board and and how to be someone who is at least part of the conversation in um looking for solutions and um not sort of compartmentalizing my life that way Absolutely. I think the question of travel for all of us has been definitely, um, you know, sort of thrown into um, disarray due to COVID and, and things of that nature. But, you know, we all, once this kind of 
uh, once we have a vaccine, et cetera, once everything kind of returns back to normal, we are definitely, I would imagine, you know, going to have quite a boom in travel because people will be antsy <laughs> um, and will right. want to be getting out. And so, yes, the more that we can think about traveling sustainably and being conscious consumers when it comes to that portion of our life, I think the better. Um, you know, on the subject of climate change and really the narrowing window of time, uh, I had a chance to crack open um, a book recently called The Uninhabitable Earth, um, Life After yes. Warming, which is by David Wallace Wells. I'm sure you're super familiar with this. Yeah. Um, Goop um, just had a great podcast with David Wallace Wells on as well, listeners. So definitely check that out if you want kind of an interesting conversation with the author himself. Um, but yes, I mean, he it's, it's a very... Um, I don't know how to say this. I mean, it's it's depressing. <laughs> I mean, right. it's depressing in terms of um, the facts that are, you know, David does a great job at um, putting the facts down in, in a really concise way. But you are also left with this feeling of, um, well, you're left with a lot of feelings. But one, I think for me was urgency um, to what you were just mentioning around the need for us to all start taking climate change seriously, um, both from a consumption um, behavior change, um, if you will, and also just for the need to start to advocate for better policies, support those who um, will get those policies passed, <laughs> and all of these things. Um, so yeah, I, I highly recommend that book to folks. Um, and I, yeah. I wonder too, um, if there was anything specific that stuck out to you um, while you were on that trip, um, in terms of uh, you know, advice you could offer to the audience around just like specific steps they could take to kind of, uh, you know, reduce their carbon emissions. Yeah. So, you know, I think that th really what it comes down to for me um, on the personal level and the advice I always give and ask this question is about taking an extra minute to, to see if there's a better choice out there. You know, we're so trained to look for instant gratification around having whatever we need delivered to our doorstep that next day and um, making, you know, we're, we're in a, we live in a fast paced life and we want to make fast decisions, but sometimes just taking that one extra minute to just see, is there an alternative? Is there something that's made that costs the same um, that allows me to have that marginal impact? And, and even if, you yourself feel that that decision may not have an, an impact on sort of, you know, changing the course of climate change. It's cumulative and it's also yes. a, a, a lifestyle and, and it's a, it's a way of thinking that can start uh, impacting bigger decisions as you go through life. And it's almost like training. You start small, you take baby steps. No one ha gets uh no, no one gets the perfect grade. No one gets to say that they're the ones that did it correctly. All of us are sort of living this together and learning together. And, you know, I always consider myself a student of, of everything I do more than anything else. You know, I'm a student of my business. I'm a student of sustainability. As a, as a business, we take that to heart uh, as a team. And, and we all believe that it's it's really about the process and that we're never done. I think a lot of that comes from my training as a ballet dancer, as I mentioned, I'd spent about five years dancing ballet professionally, but grew up my whole life um, training to be a ballet dancer. And, and one, one of the biggest sort of takeaways I have there that I apply to entrepreneurship, but also this journey and sustainability is that you're never done. Even as a professional ballet dancer, you come in and you 
start every day with class, right? That's, that's how you start your day. Even if you're the most accomplished ballet dancer, you start by sort of training your body and, 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 and being a student of your own art form because you're never perfect. You never get a check mark to say, now I've achieved that status and I don't have yes. to work on it anymore. <laughs> and I, I think of that in, in, as, like I said, as an entrepreneur, and I think about that in, in my journey in sustainability and we're always learning and we're growing. And, and by, by starting small and taking that extra minute to evaluate a choice, you learn, you do a little bit of research, takes an extra minute. You learn about a product, about an alternative, and you can teach someone else and that can have ripple effects. Absolutely. We talk all the time on this podcast about being curious um, and about also just giving yourself space to learn and grow. Um, we, Lisa and I get asked questions all the time about, you know, it's almost like we're supposed to be encyclopedias of all this knowledge. <laughs> like, right. quick, what's, what's the best option for this? Or quick, is this more recyclable than this? And, you know, right. oftentimes um, she and I will, will feel, uh, you know, pressured to have all the answers. But one yeah. thing that we can always feel feel okay about saying is, you know what, I don't know, but let me research and get back to you. And I think yeah. having that internal conversation with yourself is super important. Um, you know, another good thing we always like to say too is, is you know, what's the, what's the worst that could happen in terms of if I don't get this product immediately, right? We are, to your point, so trained to get things immediately. Um, you know, do you really need that item delivered to you, um, you know, two-day shipping? Or, you know, can you hold off whatever that activity is for a few days so that you can, you know, get something that's uh, purchased from a smaller brand or, um, you know, a, a brand that, that shares your values more? Um, you know, make sure that you're really uh, reading through um, the sustainability commitment that brands make um, and, and all of that. So actually on that topic, um, you know, I'd love to know a little bit more about, um, you know, as as we were browsing um, the Paravel uh you know, website, we noticed that you have a, both a sustainability and then a code of social responsibility section um, visible on the site. Mm -hmm. um, of course, you're also admitting that sustainability is work in progress. And so wonder if you could tell us a little bit more about um, where the, where the company is at right now in terms of sustainability. Yes. Yeah, so as I mentioned, and as you mentioned, it's always a work in progress, but our goal is to improve the lives of those who make our product and those who use our product. So we're always working along both those verticals. Like you said, we have a code of social responsibility and that's, you know, obviously touching on, on the people who make our product and, and partner with us in that process. And that's touches on everything from labor conditions, dignity to work, non-discrimination policy, fair wages, health and safety, environmental protection, uh, you know, the list goes on. And then when it comes to sustainability, you know, it's really um, thinking through um, all the touch points. So of course it's the material we touched on materials, right? We talked about upcycled materials and we have eco certified materials. We work with external certifications, you know, Ecotex, global recycle standard, leather working group. We offset our carbon emissions with gold standard. So there's, a, there's external validators and internal validators for, for us, for, and, and, you know, sort of KPIs that we hold, uh, for our company, but really it comes down to thinking through, um, every touch point that we can um, think through in the lens of sustainability. So our goal is to be the first 100% sustainable travel brand in 2021, and we're on track to do that. And what I mean by that is um, very much 
around a state of mind when we say that to ourselves. We say that we have a mandate that, you know, 100% of our products and 100% of our actions will be evaluated via internal and external certifications to, with the mindset of sustainability. And that means down to the zipper, down to the thread. It's not about a um, limited edition collection here or a product over here. It's really about taking every single product and evaluating it, uh, every single component piece of it for how sustainable it can possibly be. And if we can't get there, then we don't produce it. You know, we don't manufacture it. Now, that doesn't mean that um, it's realistic to have every single piece be 100% rec recyclable because it has to be functional and it has to last a long time. But that does exactly. mean that we are pushing on the limits of every product. And, yeah, and um, I want to jump in here. Example, I, I was just going to jump in here really quick yeah. and just mention that I want to um, really emphasize that because I think oftentimes when people set out to design a new product, they get really hung up on making sure that every single piece is just 100% sustainable ethical. And oftentimes it can be really difficult to source the um, components right. from those types of sources. So um, for instance, you know, for a lot of folks, the words made in China um, don't necessarily bring about, um, you know, ethical and sustainable thoughts. And that's not necessarily true. There are manufacturers in China that are very ethical and sustainable. Um, there are also some that are not. Um, but when you think about wanting to create the, um, you know, the best possible product, sometimes the manufacturers who make those are really concentrated in a specific area of the world. And I know you guys work um, very much in Italy, which of course is known for these heritage, um, beautiful artisan made bags. And of course, I think that really speaks to the quality of the, of the products that you're putting out. But I also want our listeners to know that, yeah, I mean, not 100% of every um, ethical and sustainable product is going to be made by an artisan. Um, oftentimes, they just don't Absolutely. have the equipment for it. So I think it's really interesting to think about. This episode is brought to you by Real Paper, tree-free toilet paper made from 100% bamboo. Our community has been asking us about paper-free swaps for items around the house, so this alternative to traditional toilet paper is right up our alley. I don't know about you, Laura, but I always run out of toilet paper. Me too, and I love that Real Paper delivers direct to your home while also using plastic-free packaging. It makes stuff so much easier. Also, while you probably haven't considered the environmental impact of your bathroom habits, Unfortunately, over 27,000 trees are flushed down the toilet every day across the world. That's a lot of waste. And by using paper that comes from bamboo, you're supporting a product made out of renewable, eco-friendly resource. It's also super soft, and I couldn't tell a difference between the 100% bamboo paper and what I'm used to. Good Together listeners get 25% off your first order by using code BRIGHTLY at realpaper.com. That's R-E-E-L paper.com. Yeah, like wheeled luggage is a great example, right? We yeah. manufacture wheeled luggage in Asia. We we have every single factory that we work with vetted for our code of, of uh, social responsibility, but we um, also push on... When we built our aviator, which is our wheeled luggage, um, comes in a carry-on sort of size only at the moment, we built it from the ground up, pushing on every single component part. And we found that our manufacturing partners in Asia were the ones best equipped to do that. So 
they were able to source recycled zippers, recycled polycarbonate, recycled aluminum, um, you know, recycle the lining made from recycled plastic water bottles. So um, we were able to build it in with with that in mind. Um, other product, for example, has been um, sort of it just every, every product is sort of different in sort of how we approach it. But that's a great example of a product, like you said, that was built in Asia from the ground up to be um, as sustainably made as possible. And that was the best partner for us for that. Absolutely. And these are trade-off conversations that entrepreneurs and business owners have all the time. Um, you know, of course, just because something is made ethically and sustainably doesn't mean that it was made locally. So then you run into um, you know, carbon emissions generated by the shipping of the products around the world, et cetera. Um, and so earlier you mentioned a little bit about um, uh, purchasing offsets, uh, carbon offsets to help with yeah. the sort of the, the global impact their company is having. I wonder if you could talk a little bit more about that as well. Yes. So um, I think you raise a great point about shipping. I think there's a speaking again about making better choices, right? You can ship product by air freight, which is um, much more, uh, it has creates a lot more carbon emissions, or you can ocean freight it, which is how we ship our product. Um, and then when it comes to getting the product to the end consumer, we offset every single one of those deliveries. Uh, Paravel pays for that. That's something that's important for us so that uh, each delivery is fully carbon offset. Uh, we work with Gold Standard. Um, we were recently participating in a wind turbine program that we thought was really exciting about um, in terms of, you know, Anyway, yeah, we were working with Gold Standard on a wind turbine program that they were um, spearheading, and a lot of the offsets were going towards that. That's great. I mean, I think, again, there's just so many different factors, and I think the fact that your company is thinking through all of them uh, is super encouraging. I'm sure it's also very, um, it's a challenge, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, from a from an operational standpoint, but I think, you know, Seeing that you have um, had the background with, you know, companies that are, you know, more fashion focused, like Vogue. Um, I know you were also at Moda Operandi, which I think um, listeners, if you're not familiar, is a luxury fashion company. And I, and you, you've seen all of these step the way these different brands operate. And so I think the fact that you've been able to take that background and say, hey, look, I've seen some things that I love in fashion. I've seen some things that need improvement. You know, sort of how can I take that background and and craft a new type of company is extremely fascinating. Um, so, Andrea, one of the one of the things we love to um, talk about on on Good Together is uh, you know actionable tips that people can take every day. So I know we talked a little bit about being thoughtful um, and uh, you know being a conscious consumer and being more mindful. I wonder if you could share with us maybe one or two other actionable tips that you might do every day, um, you know, as you go through your, your journey as an ethical consumer? Yeah. So I think my big, my big tip there, as I mentioned earlier, is to take that minute, take a minute when you're ordering something or planning something and evaluate whether there is a better option, whether there's a decision that you can make that has less of an impact for often the same price and the same product, the same result. Um, but, you know, when also a lot of times people ask me about actionable tips around travel and traveling more sustainably, and there, yes. there are certain um, steps you can take there too that um, are quite simple in terms of um, 
it may take a little extra research, but um, planning an itinerary that supports local businesses uh, when there's an option staying at an eco hotel, um, when there's an option flying direct actually has uh, less car uh, produces less carbon emissions um, and offsetting your carbon emissions. You know, these are all options for people who have the ability to make those choices. Uh, it, it can it can start, as we talked about before, it can really start um, helping you rethink the way you make every decision. Absolutely. And I, I think, too, the collective benefit of these types of behavior shifts is just so important and can't be understated. So you might think to yourself, OK, I'm going to spend an extra $10 for um, some carbon offsets for my upcoming trip. Um, $10 for most people isn't a ton in the scheme of things when you're planning a trip, um, for instance. And so you might think, OK, I'm going to do this. Um, I'm going to feel really good about myself. Um, but you also might think, well, on the other hand, you might think, well, you know, that $10 I could you know, take for a coffee um, in the airport because you can't get out of the airport for less than $10 <laughs> if you're yeah. buying anything to eat there. Um, and so, you know, as we think about, uh, you know, the power of collective conscious consumerism, we need to make sure that we we don't, um, you know, we don't un under underplay that, right? Um, if you're doing that, then the airlines will take notice. Um, right. If you are choosing to support a brand like Paravel or like the hundreds of other ethical and sustainable brands that we recommend on Brightly, um, you know, as you do that and you help these companies grow, they start to take up more market share. Um, and the truly, truly massive companies that we all know um, have to start taking notice. And I think we're starting to see some of that in, um, you know, traditional CPG companies like Procter & Gamble. Some of these folks are starting to buy up some of these smaller brands that are doing good for the world. And so while I don't think like every company needs to be bought up by a big conglomerate, I would hope that's actually doesn't happen all the time. Um, I think it's a really interesting trend that we're starting to see. Um, and so, again, just like the more that you can, uh, you know, take that small step every day, remind yourself why you're doing this. And then, like we mentioned earlier, talk to your friends and family about it. Um, and I wonder, too, um, you know, um, Andre, um, Andre, sorry, <laughs> um, if you have <laughs> if you have experience, uh, you know, coming from more of this sort of luxury fashion background. I wonder if you ever get any questions from maybe your, your former coworkers about uh, why you've chosen to go green. Um, if people see this as kind of an interesting path for you, would love to know a little bit more. <laughs> you know, I do get a lot of people reaching out and I love that. That gives me so much um, motivation and, uh, optimism around where people are focused. Uh, I get a lot of, even on Instagram, I get a lot of people DMing me, even strangers asking for advice on a certain, you know, ethical or sustainable brand in a certain category. Um, I have former coworkers uh, who are interested in launching businesses, asking how to do so with a sustainable mindset. So I think there is a seismic shift happening in the fashion industry um, and self-awareness that is really important. That's always the first step. And I, and, yep. and I having lived that and experienced that myself, this sort of moment of reflection, of self-awareness, of, of asking yourself what you can do to have even a small part of the conversation 
um, is is the first step for everyone. And I think that another thing, you know, to our earlier conversation, remembering that our our voices as consumers, especially collectively, to your earlier point, are really is you know it's really powerful. Um, if we're asking airlines what they're doing to think through um, their own carbon emissions and whether they're offering carbon offsets and how they're thinking through that. And if they get enough questions like that, it, it does start shifting their own, you know, priorities as a business and they, they have to start addressing it, but it's going to come from consumer demand. And I think the same thing happens across the board with conscious consumerism. It, it, it's consumer led and businesses listen. Um, and there's nothing more powerful than customer feedback from at least from where I sit, you know, you, you want your community is the most valuable asset you have as a business owner and you want to do right by your community. You want to provide them with what they're looking for. And, um, that, that relationship is something that we have on both sides of the equation. Absolutely. And feedback is free. Uh, it's one thing we like to talk a little bit about yes. with our community, which is if you have, um, you know, had experience with a business in the past, uh, and you would like to reach out to them to ask them a question about um, their supply chain, you can do that by just sending a really quick email. Uh, we actually have a tool on Brightly. Um, it's not in the menu right now, but we're going to be sort of relaunching it shortly alongside the launch of our upcoming app. Um, but we have a tool that actually lets you email some of the top brands that we all know, like Zara, et cetera. Um, and it's a really just like a templated, uh, all you have to do is put your name and your email in um, and it goes right to their customer service uh, uh, you know, department. And you know, we did that because... I actually was inspired by something I had seen in the political sphere where you could like yeah. write your senators and, and let them know, which by the way, we should also all be doing <laughs> as they relate to specifically local um, policies that happen. Because I think, you know, if we all start at the local level to advocate for this type of sustainable change, we can make a huge impact um, in, in my mind, even more so than um, sometimes some of the federal level stuff, just because it can be so difficult to get that through, um, at least here in the States. But yes, yeah, so feedback is free. Don't feel, sh um, don't ever be shy about reaching out to brands. Just ask them questions. Like the, the folks that sit behind that customer service email, um, like we just said earlier, they're, they're, they're real people. Um, and so there's somebody there that's going to read that email. You might get a response, you might not. Um, but if enough happens around a specific topic, you can bet that there's going to be some kind of report that goes out. Um, I know both you and I have been in corporate before, so we're very familiar with those <laughs> reports and things that get generated. Um, so to kind of close this out, I wonder, um, I have two more questions for you that we like to ask our, uh, our typical, um, our guests. And so one would be, I know you've been exposed to so many, um, you know, ethical and sustainable brands like we have. I wonder if you have a, um, an interesting product, doesn't have to be related to the uh, travel space, if you'd like, um, that you're, you're currently loving. Yeah, so I, one of the brands that first sort of really set the bar for me was Veja, the sneaker brand. Yes, um, I love Veja. They're wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I and I love their product and and travel in their product, wear their product all the time. Um, but also really admire their values as a company. And I think that the bar they set for transparency, for holding themselves accountable, 
um, and for training, sort of educating the consumer in what they're doing and taking them along the way with them is is empowering and um, also their sourcing. You know, they're always pushing the boundaries on new materials. They don't rest their laurels because they sort of can check a green box around uh, using sustainable materials in XYZ style. They're, I, I always feel like I'm looking forward to their launches because they're going to be pushing on um, something new. And uh, I really admire that approach. Yes. I learned so much about rubber from them. Actually, yes. they, they do a really good job about educating the consumer, like you just mentioned, and, and not just saying like, hey, we launched uh, a new pair of sneakers with this material. We're great about it. They're going to say, no, no, this is why it's good for the world. And they, they kind of right make it less about themselves, which I think can be hard as a brand, but it's really appreciated from a, yeah. from a conscious and they also don't pat themselves on the back too much, yes. you know, yes. they're, they're like, and here's where we, uh, haven't done, uh, haven't accomplished as much as we want to accomplish. And I think that's very important too. Uh, to me, that's a sign of a brand that is in it for the bigger picture because, yes. Um, they're continuing to push themselves. And the transparency uh, is great, right? We always yes. love to see it, especially when it's, um, you know, really uh, forthcoming from the brand's perspective. And it's not because they were pressured into do it, which I know, you know, there have been some other brands recently that have come under lots of questions. And so, of course, when somebody comes out and, and gives that information after that, that's good too. But it's always nice to have it up front. Um, so finally, I wonder if you could tell us uh, what is exciting you the most about the ethical and sustainable movement right now? I think that it is just the breadth of curiosity in it right now. I think that there are so many people who, young people especially, um, who are interested in learning about it, who are taking deep dives in it, who are reading about it, listening to podcasts about it, writing about it, launching businesses around it. And I think that that sort of mass interest is really critical. Like, as we mentioned before in, in our conversation, the consumer voice is so powerful in terms of shaping the direction of corporations and businesses and governments. And we as consumers hold a lot of power. And the more educated we are, the more curious we are, the more vocal we are, the more likely we are able to um, create change in the world. And that level of excitement uh, that I myself feel, but see all around me and I'm inspired by people who are sort of leading the charge is is what excites me. Absolutely. Yeah, we we say the same thing here and I think, you know, this is no longer a niche movement. Uh, this is something that everybody is talking about. Uh, you love to see new brands coming up that are putting sustainability at the forefront, but you also love to see people that you might not expect asking these questions, right? So you have um, you know, older generations. Um, you also have younger generations who are coming up and starting to get, um, you know, to become more consumers themselves who literally won't take um, a brand. They won't, it's it's just, they will literally not purchase something if it's not made with a plan in mind. And I think that mm -hmm. is so inspiring. And, you know, 
hearing from founders like yourself who have made the the choice to, and I have to emphasize, oftentimes a difficult choice to uh, make things with the plan in mind is so encouraging. So thank you so much for joining us. We, you know, this conversation has been fascinating. We covered all things like sustainable travel, but also got into kind of a little bit of nerdy manufacturing, which I think is fascinating <laughs> <Yes>. personally, <laughs> uh, but just had such a great time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I, I learned so much from your podcast. So I really, um, it's an honor to be part of it. Thanks so much. And um, we we will uh, cover this in our show notes, but we at Brightly are big fans of Paravel's, uh, you know, various offerings. Um, both Lise and I have had a chance to try out their, I have a one of the duffel bags and get compliments, uh, compliments on it all the time. And I think I'm excited to have it in my wardrobe for years to come, just like that Hartman luggage I was talking about earlier. Yes, so thanks exactly. Again. That's the goal. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. As always, you can get show notes and explore lots more content related to all things eco-friendly living by checking out brightly.eco slash podcast. And don't forget to join in on the conversation that's happening on our Facebook group. Simply search Good Together Ethical Shopping and it'll come up. You can also leave us a question through voicemail. The link is on brightly.eco slash podcast. If you're into social media, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, and all of the channels. Our username is brightly.eco. Finally, we want to leave you with a reminder. Every day is a chance for you to create change, and you're already covered for today since you joined us here on the podcast. Stay kind and live brightly.